Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Kate O'Brien, a powerful stand for humanity. After coming through tremendous challenges, Kate became a recognised national leader in her field as a registered nurse. Speaking at international health conferences and being nominated for a special regional health award for her national work in training doctors and nurses throughout New Zealand as a powerful change agent. She was also a finalist for the New Zealand Emerging Speaker of the Year for 2013 and received high accolades for her work as a national project manager with her work being featured at national conferences. Despite a thriving career, Kate let it all go to pursue her life calling of empowering billions globally by combining heart and strategy. She founded Game Changer Live, which is a two-day highly acclaimed transformational workshop that runs throughout Australasia and Southeast Asia. And she's also the creator of her three-month advanced breakthrough program, Game Changer High Performance. Alongside her husband, she co-founded the Game Changer Global Summit, an annual event connecting the top thought leaders of our generation. On her stage, she has attracted luminary greats such as Jack Canfield, John Gray, Brendan Bouchard, Brandon Bays, and many, many more. I am sure that you are going to get a lot out of this raw conversation between two women where there are no boundaries. So sit back and enjoy the ride. So welcome to the show, Kate O'Brien. How are you today? Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm just really, really excited. So for our listeners, I was just explaining to Kate that I actually watched and she's got lots of videos, so I do highly recommend that you check out her website, but um, just how authentic and real and when we talk about standing in your truth, this is what Kate is all about. So maybe I'll um, let Kate uh, talk a little bit about yourself and why you do what you do and so that our listeners can really get a, 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 a an idea of who you are yeah absolutely um so I've been through a lot and I've also created a lot so I really you know I've kind of I suppose experienced life on both ends of the spectrum when I talk about being through a lot that looked like anorexia for three years bulimia for nine years really um, intense drug addiction for a year, depression and social anxiety. So rattling those things off just like that sounds um, easy, but the lived experience of that was was something else. 
um, I really had to go, you know, toe to toe with everything that was inside to come through all of that. And then, yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, on the other end of the scale, I've since then created a lot um, and like really had to, I remember, you know, a number of years ago, I had to ask myself like what I really wanted because it took years to get through all of that, that stuff. And then there was a point in my life where um, I sort of was ticking all the boxes and I actually knew that if I didn't make those big, you know, if I didn't actually shift something, even as good as what it was, like a national career, uh, rental property company, marriage, you know, I knew I would have been actually really regretful at the end. So um, making the shifts and, you know, now life's, you know, totally different. Live in Bali. Um, we've got some cool stuff going on. Um, and saying that, I'm always, like, really clear to, to show people that like, it's actually a human experience, the whole thing. But that's probably just a little bit of a um, nutshell of a little bit of me and my journey. Oh, I'd really like to know a little bit more about what's going on. But I th think before we do that is just because I did talk about the video. The video that I was uh, speaking about is where you actually talk about how we just allow people to see what we want them to see and the rest we hide. And you did this most amazing, I think, courageous video where you just allowed yourself to just be who you are. And there was no Photoshop in the video. It was just you being naked and allowing yourself to just speak through that. And I guess for me, what um, when I watched that, I was thinking, wow, that is something that we always, um, you know, conscious about, you know, whether we have these little rolls in our stomach and, you know, and you're holding your stomach in and almost you can't breathe properly because you don't want anyone to see those little rolls or, um, you know, um, uh, worried about the smallest little thing. But as I was watching this video, I was thinking, how courageous and how freeing must that have been for you? So I'd love to uh, deep dive a little bit more about uh, how you felt doing that. And even afterwards, after you did that, did you go, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Or I feel so fantastic that I actually did that. Um, yeah, I actually don't find it courageous. Um, I'm so frustrated by a lot of the mindsets that are in the world that it feels like I can't do anything else but that, in all honesty. Um, like just this morning, for example, I just did a um, pretty provocative talk on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. And I know it pushed a lot of buttons. I you know, got a little bit of flack back from it. But it kind of like there just are some things on, in the planet that need to be said. Yes. And it didn't feel courageous as much as what, um, it felt almost like a relief to actually get it done, to get it said, to get these messages out there. Yeah. Yeah. When I say courageous, for me, I ask myself, Catherine, would you do that even though I talk about standing your truth? And there was a fear uh, around that question for me. So that's that's why I say courageous because for me it's like I – it would take for me I'm talking about so for me it would yep. take so much courage to do that yet I find that so freeing I mean that whole video everything that you spoke about in in regards to not only does it have an impact on like you were saying you um you experience anorexia bulimia I mean this still goes on and it's all yep. about body issues and we talk about it but to actually um do it in your style and the way that you did it, it the message is so powerful so I know you say um, it's not courageous. So what, what was it that actually, what was the drive for you to do that? 
Yeah, I'm, I really want to um, just challenge our thinking. And when I say our thinking, I'm really including myself in that. Like I want us to challenge ourselves collectively to look at actually what is all of the old shit that we're carrying that actually, you know, it might have served a purpose like 50 years ago or 100 years ago, but we're still carrying it collectively. Mm. Whether it's how we relate to ourselves and our bodies, how we relate sexually, like um, there's so much sexual shame. And I'm really dealing with that head on at the moment as well. Mm. Um, whether it's parenting, the level of mother guilt and mother parenting mm. is just so, so, so much. So, yeah, I'm, I have a commitment and a hunger really to, to challenge the collective stuff for us all. And that absolutely includes me. I'm so on the court with my own challenging of my own stuff alongside it. So when you're saying that, like, I'd love to be a, a day in Kate O'Brien's shoes right now. How do you challenge yourself? So if you're, if you catch yourself thinking a certain way, do you just like, where does this, you know, where does this thinking come from? Like, how do you actually challenge that? When you're talking about challenging the collective thinking, including yourself, what are some of those uh, key points that you, you know, that you come across? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I'm going to say on many levels. So it might just be the, the little like little catching myself in my head and noticing where my shame, where, where shame will play out for me, like in the moment, like how it mm -hmm. feels in my body, um, what the voice in my head will say to me and where I want to, then what do I react as a response, as a knee jerk from that shame? And then what, how do I hold myself back? How do I manipulate myself with how I come across? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like in like, in the moment, noticing throughout the day and yeah. then be willing to see that and not like not cut it out or try and get rid of shame, but like just see it and understand it and then take action anyway, like move in anyway and step up and be all of myself anyway. So it might just be little stuff like that or it might be very well like really seeing, okay, there's something that's really um, like a paradigm that I'm living out of. Let's create a game in that area so that I'm consciously choosing to strengthen new muscles. And in that process, like literally see where I'm constrained or where I'm constipated or where I am held back. So, for example, and I call them conversational domains. So, for example, you know, if you imagine we're all kind of living in this like small slither of who we are and we think because we've experience 35 years 45 years 26 years 55 years of our life within that slither we think that's who we are we think that's how the world is and we think that that's what's possible but we don't realize that we're living within a millimeter slither of the universe of what's possible imagine it kind of like a um imagine you know those japanese um like micro capsule apartments yes yes yeah. i kind of feel like that's like our lives and yeah. we're living in our whole lives and we've accepted that and we've tolerated that. And because we look out and everyone else is living in a microcapsule, it's like, okay, well, that, that's my lot. But it's like doing this work, um, like really, and I'm talking about doing the work. I'm not talking about sharing shit on Facebook. It's so different. But actually doing the work, you get to actually uncover parts of yourself. It's kind of like living in that microcapsule and then finding a door and opening up the door and realizing that, oh, guess what, on top, there is a penthouse suite, and that, that penthouse suite, you actually owned. You owned that your whole life, but you didn't even realize it was there. And then you find another door, and you open that out, and it goes out into like a 5,000-foot ranch with infinity pools, and you realize that, 
wow, that was there the whole time, but you just hadn't explored those parts of yourself. So I call them for I call them conversational domains. So what are the conversational domains that you are un, that you are unfamiliar with that you haven't yet explored? And then like actually, so how I like live my life is actually identifying them and then consciously choosing to go and explore them and then playing games inside of that. So that I get to it's basically like uncovering penthouse suite. So for example, um, in the last couple of years I've been playing in the conversational domains of power. That was definitely an area that I was unfamiliar with. And I wouldn't call um, holding myself back and then once a month bursting at the seams with frustration because I'd held myself back power, Mm. right? So it's like really choosing to consciously navigate power and to express and explore it within myself. And the other one um, in the last few years has been sexuality. So sexuality was something that was opened at a very early age, way too early, mm-hmm. and then and then repressed and shut down, and then lived my life, you know, kind of like through this um, like throttled filter of shame in terms of my sexuality, and then that had a really big impact, and an impact that I wasn't even present to because we're so numb to the impact of our tolerations in our life. I'm going to say that again. We're literally numbed off to the impact of what we're tolerating. So, yeah, the fact of having sex twice a month and having an orgasm but like a semi-orgasm and like not like not feeling myself like a sexual woman and feeling quite masculine that was just I guess that's all I get in life right and then I look Mm. out and I see a lot of other very sexually castrated women and I think well maybe that's just our lot maybe it's because I've been married for 13 12 years or maybe it's because I've had children and you know like just maybe that's just life but actually, so do you know what I mean here? So it's yeah. like we're, we're numb to the impact. We're, we're not even present to, you know what? I am experiencing 0.5% of my capacity as, as a sexual being. Mm. And that this is a life that I get gifted and I get to play on this planet. Do I choose to stay at 0.5% of my capacity or do I want to play a game and say, what would it be like to explore my full capacity? And knowing that it will bring up a lot and I have to go to different places, but it could be fun and it's just playing a game. What about if am I willing just to experience my life as being the nice girl? Because nice growing up got me safe. Mm, And sure, sure, it kept me safe as a little kid when safety was very important. But as an adult, if if my standard operating mode is nice, that really, like, do I want to spend my life doing that? So then what would it actually take? It would take to actually commit to knowing my power. And so then, for example, because your actual question, I'm going to swing back to that now, is what is Kate, what does it feel like? Is, you know, um, for example, with exploring my power, I play little games all the time. I um, set myself, like, two weeks for a task. And the task was, and this was very early in the game, um, when I was out and about in public, I wasn't allowed to smile at people. Wow. Reason being is that, you know, smiling was just more like an, you know, like a robotic response. Mm. How are you doing? How are you doing? Smile. Fine, thanks. No, fuck that. I'm not feeling fine today. Yeah. Now, it also doesn't mean to say you have to go around and say that all the time, but to actually like ring fence some time and some space to consciously go for the next month, 
I'm going to practice the muscle of my power and I'm going to actually not smile in public. And I know that after that month, I'll develop a new muscle and then I kind of get more choice after that, right? Yes. Yeah, within that two, I did it for two weeks. The first week was really challenging. It was so simple, but it was so challenging when I was at the checkout or like, you know, buying something and I would naturally want to smile as the fabric softener to the conversation to to create a safer space a, a space of safety between me and this um this new person and we do these in nanoseconds and we do it so unconsciously and um yeah it really took something to go against the grain of that robotic response to actually create um choice for myself the second week towards the end of the second week i felt relaxed mm. That's really interesting. I'm, 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 I'm actually digesting uh, quite a lot of information here. I love the fact that you were talking about uh, whatever that one thing that you're working on, whether it was your power, sexuality, or shame, that you were the able to be the observer of that without actually getting caught up in it. But you gave yourself this playground where you created a game to have fun, and which actually there's a real lightness about it. So I really love that. But it's it's also about the when you're talking about the um, conversational domains, you're talking about the stories that we tell ourselves. The whole space. So a conversational domain means everything about that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because the other day I was just having um, we were having a meeting with a couple of our team members, and it's it's funny these um, are beautiful women, but yet. Um, and we were talking about, we actually uh, talking about getting our numbers done. So we had numerology done and how they felt that they could relate to some of it, but not relate to, to another part of it. And so basically what we all came into, what came out of the conversation is that we are these wild, wonderful women internally, yet everyone sees us as conservative and professional and, you know, but yet, you know, and then you kind of, you don't relate to that. So, but this is what we portray and I see this often. I see women are really not, when this is why I, when I say standing in your truth is being raw. And this is, you know, for me, I see you being raw. And how do you encourage women and men too, to actually be raw and stand in their truth and be who they are truly from the inside out? What would be some of those things that you would, you know, say to them? It's having conversations like this. Mm. It's having conversations like I do on social media. You know, um, the whole reason why I do share um, just just more of me, um, why I share the stuff that I'm experiencing, the um, just and learning to. I'm going to say learning to because it's a process, um, but learning to share myself in all full expression in different areas, whether I'm fully expressed in my in some frustration, whether I'm fully expressed in some joy, um, because. I think that so much is airbrushed that we don't get and give permission to our own humanity because we're trying to live up to this airbrushed image. And then, yeah, so the result is we have these wild parts of ourselves that go, that get popped into a tiny little box on the inside. And then we show this, like this watered down, semi dead version. Mm. I was at the gym the other morning and, um, 6.30 and I, there was some really freaking awesome music and I was really dancing to it and it was just like it was really going through me and I was loving it and I saw two people were watching me out of the corner of their eye and they were um, 
I just they, they looked really shut down, to be honest. Um, mm. But when I say shut down, isn't that how they, this is standard operating procedure of being in public? This is society. We walk through the supermarket held back. Mm. Um, they were just so shut down. I was thinking, when you're orgasming, you're not going to be looking like that, are you? Right, yeah. yeah. When, you're, when you're hanging out with your girlfriends, you're not going to look like that. It's like there's parts of ourselves that it's like a role we feel like we have to play. Now, here's the thing, because I want to be really clear about this. When I talk about there's a role that we feel like we have to play, sometimes people then hear this conversation and feel like the role then they have to play of self-expression is dancing in public. And then it still comes from a place of a role. Does mm. this make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And then it's still a fucking role. Excuse mm. my friend. Am I, are we able to swear on this? No, question? no, go for it. It's all right. It's, it's happened sure. many times before. Don't worry. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, and that's the thing. And I, I remember one of um, the most powerful women that I've ever met. She's just, she's now one of my best friends. Just, this is why, one of the many reasons why I love her so much. She really just shows up as who she is in the moment. Sometimes, you know, I'll meet her and she's like really just like, so beautiful and present and bubbly. Then one day um, I was sitting there with my sister. My sister was just flowing over. I really wanted my sister and, and her to meet. And I called her over. I'm like, hey, come on over. You know, this is Sarah. I'm so excited. And she said, thanks. And she said, she looked directly and she said, it's really great to meet you. And then she said, look, guys, I'm not in the mood. Um, I'm not in the mood for talking. I need to go. And there was no apologies, not verbally or energetically. She wasn't apologizing energetically. She wasn't. She was just very clear that she wasn't in the mood to talk. She did say hello. And then she left mm-hmm. 10, 10 seconds later. And I think the world is not doing that. No, not at all. Absolutely not. And I think that, you know, I've, I've had times where I've, you know, said probably this is not the best time for me to have a conversation because I need to get my head straight. But I'm, yeah. I, you're, you're right, we don't. And I, even if I, and I do always apologise, if I'm standing in my truth about how I'm feeling right now or, you know, uh, you know, I need to uh, move away right now because, you know, if you're having kind of a heated conversation with someone and you're feeling your emotions come up, you know, I tend to say, you know, probably this is not the right time and walk away and apologize. Um, But, yeah, not just say, hey, you know, I don't want to talk and actually move away. We actually, not many of us do that at all. Mm. So I'm going to ask you, Kate, what's the best part of what you do? What's the best part? Yes. Yeah, seeing people um, come alive. Mm. And so when you're saying that, you're, the type of work that you do, do you do uh, one-on-one sessions? Do you do group sessions with, you know, is it through Facebook? Like how do you see that come to life? Yeah, um, we do big we, – we've got a few things in how we support people. So I only have like a couple of um, spaces for private and my private's usually booked up about a year in advance. So um, there's not a lot of space there for people to come in. And then uh, we have a group space that we really just hold space on at this level. Like these kinds of conversations that we're talking about here, these are easily facilitated in group conversations. Mm. So we have, and because a lot of times it's permission, people need to be reminded that more is possible. They need to be guided with a torch just to go, hey, you, you know, I get that. From where you've been living inside the box, you haven't seen outside of it, hey, just have a peep over here with me. There's so much more possible. And then given permission and a bit of support to navigate what comes up along that way. So a lot of times group is just so perfect. So we have a really powerful group space that's like 
only like a few dollars a week to be a part of. But the whole purpose is that anyone can access it and money is not a barrier because these are important conversations and they actually heal marriages. They save families. They, um, I would say, save lives. And I'm not necessarily talking about from suicide. I'm talking about they save lives from mediocrity mm. and, and from being um, like half dead, going through the motions, kind of living like a black and white version of what's possible for you. So, and then beyond that, we do um, advanced intensives, which are in person five days. And um, so we've got, for example, one in Bali, and we'll have about 100 people flying in from all around the world to have five days with us. And they are, they are intensives. So, for example, the last one we had here in Bali, people from all around the world came five days. We also had an ex-SAS soldier in the room. He said it was one of the most intensive things he's ever done in his life. Wow. That's it. That's, <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, when you're saying intensive, what, what would be some of those things so for our listeners? Because they obviously you run them on an annually basis by the sounds of it. You mean Bali? Uh, yeah, yeah, Bali, Southeast Asia, Australasia. So we travel. Okay, so give us give us a little bit of insight into when you're saying intensive. What was some of what is some of the things that you do? Just to give us give give, give us a little appetizer. Great question. I'm going to say one thing and then I'll expand on it. And here's the first part of that: it's this, whatever it takes. Okay. What, and I'm going to say that again, like whatever it takes, we do in the, do in that time. So, for example, one particular woman in the course, beautiful woman, so neat, so beautiful. Um, when we really came through some of the work during the five days, she actually got to see how much of her sexuality, for example, had been rejected. And so she had experienced um, sexuality really early in her life with a woman, and then that had really caused her to shut down a lot. So uh, with her... Her and I danced sexually together, holding eye contact for about 20 minutes. And look, I'm a really safe space to do that with. So for her to have the experience of being intimate with another woman mm. who was clearly very safe with a very conscious container around it. And it wasn't sexually, it just I'd say more intimate. Yeah. And um, she really afterwards she just cried and I just gave her a hug or she cried and it was just so beautiful for her to release and stuff. So when I say we do whatever it takes, I'm saying we do whatever it takes. There was a woman who in the program, she, her um, her part, her sorry her son had um, drowned uh, a couple of years beforehand and um, is um, very unwell. I mean, uh, and okay, I don't have the word for it. Sorry, in my mind. Um, the, the level of anger. So she's a really um, high operating businesswoman. But that's the thing is we operate amazing lives on top of a pile of shit underneath at times. You know, really unresolved grief, anger, frustration, stuff that we just get really um, masterful at not going to. The only thing, she had to move. She had to get the anger out. Talking wasn't getting her there. So my husband, who um, leads a lot of the program, she brought some boxing gloves out. She put the boxing gloves on and she was actually able to fight with him as hard as what she could for five minutes. And he just took it. And also he, he's a martial artist. Wow. So, you know, she was able to um, get it out and he, you know, gave a bit of it back and she just fought for her life. Interesting. So with the, with the, I guess the, the structure, is there a structure or it just, is it just a matter of whatever comes up on every day? 
No, both. Totally yeah. both. We have a structure. You know, like my husband and I, we've done all sorts of modalities. We've trained under everything. So we bring a whole lot of – there is um, over a decade of background um, training and learning and modalities behind it, but we're not attached to the modality. And I think that's one of the things is that a lot of people get mo- attached to their course content. They get attached to their modality. Yeah, we have frames. Yes, we have um, – the overall structure of five days, and also we're willing to throw everything out depending. And, you know, sometimes we did, I think, Wednesday, last year, Wednesday and Thursday and half of Friday got completely thrown, and then we just created it on the spot based on what was showing up in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it sounds fascinating. I'm very intrigued, and I'm sure our listeners will be very curious. We've actually interestingly got a scholarship coming out for it, um, which I think is going to be released in – the scholarship announcement will be in about four weeks. So mm. there will be the opportunity to win a scholarship to come. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's fantastic. Awesome. So can I ask you, through everything you've gone through um, and um, all the lessons learned, what has been the greatest lesson learned ever? Hmm. Great question. Um, that my journey uniquely is perfect for me. Yeah. 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 I think that's really primarily it. And I want to say the opposite to that is so often people are rejecting the journey, rejecting the lessons that are showing up, rejecting part of the personalities, rejecting, just rejecting it like with some kind of story of it shouldn't be like this. It should be easier. It should be different. And then the, as we insist on rejecting, we stay in the space of disempowerment because we're also rejecting the lessons. Like the sooner we can shift in and go, this right here I'm choosing, we can then also choose something new. But we can't genuinely choose something new from a space of rejection. So, yeah, I really get that for myself and to get that I have a unique perspective um, based on the experiences that I've had and that um, when I choose that and really step into that, then there's a lot of – there's so much more that opens up. And when I reject that or try to want it to be differently or want to be my, or even change myself so that I'm different in order to, and I just want to say really clearly that is different fundamentally to I'm, I want to play in the space of expansion. See, there, our souls want to expand. Our souls want to grow. That's very different to I have to change myself so that I can approve of myself, so that I can be better. I have to change very different spaces. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I love the word expand. I don't think we use that enough. But when when you're actually speaking, it's about embracing all of your experiences. You can actually look back now over your timeline and actually join the dots because I guess from without all of those experiences, um, you wouldn't be where you are today and you wouldn't be this um, amazing woman that you are today and, and, and have this impact on other people from all over the world. Which is pretty amazing. And I think that sometimes people get stuck in the stuff that goes on rather than embrace it and, and actually this is part of my my why I'm here. I'm here to learn. I'm here to experience. I'm here to, you know, whatever that is for you because we all have different stories. Um, so I love it. The, the one thing that I, I have to, um, uh, that's coming to mind because you are a, a woman in business and we do have a lot of our listeners are either, you know, women, entrepreneurs in business and so forth. Um, do you have any pain points in your business? Any pain points? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say for a big sort of 
pain point has been, and this is really definitely part of my growth at the moment, is that a lot of what we're, like my husband and I are doing, is so different to what the personal development industry has been about, that that has been, um, I'd say, a really big challenge to navigate. Mm. And, you know, yep, go for it. What were you going to ask? Oh, no, I was going to say, I totally agree. You are very unique in what you do, but I think that's what makes you stand out. I think that's yeah. what makes you who you are because I don't know any other uh, personal development or even professional development um, that goes as deep as what you do. Yeah, this, uh, we haven't seen anything. Um, and when I say that, it's like um, I'm saying that also from the point of view of not just us looking out, but, you know, the people who come along to our, our intensives and then come away and go, wow, there is nothing like that that they could even imagine on the planet. And so, yeah, we'd go there. But in terms of the pain point for me with your question, like, I'm going to be really honest, it's been very scary. It's really scary. And it has been fucking scary for me over the years. And almost to the point where it would have been easier to have not done that and done the traditional route. Um, and, like, and this is what I want to say. Like when we look over history and we look at the people who have been influential change makers on the planet, now, I'm saying this because I want every single person who's sitting there, who's listening to this podcast, I want you to please relate this to yourself. So what I'm about to say, you need to be thinking about those things that are in your heart and where you're holding yourself back. Okay, so now that you've got that in your heart and your mind, I'm going to say this. When we look at the influential change makers in history, the Martin Luther Kings, the um, all of the people that have stood out, we assume that they were born with something different, that there was something different about them that had them just know that they were there for something. No. In fact, the most influential change makers in history were typically not uniquely gifted as children. It's not like they were born with something, right? Mm. In fact, I'm going to even go one step further and say the actual child prodigies actually a child prodigy often often they don't they don't go on to rewrite the future they actually go on to follow typical paths and create excellence within what's already been known right now we're actually going to talk about the influential change makers these were often people who were filled with self-doubt filled with the same doubts that you sitting there are filled with with about that thing in your heart martin luther king when he was voted unanimously to lead the very first march he was terrified. He only, he just, it happened so quickly that he just went along with the ride and just said yes. That night he had to do his first speech. He was terrified. Like this is a guy whose thundering voice went on to like move, unify a movement that rewrote our future. He was terrified of his first little speech. And, you know, he only saw himself as a pastor of the church. And he wasn't signing up for the leader of the civil rights movement. And I think that's what our lives are, is that, yeah, we're filled with self-doubt. And that's really been, I'd say, my biggest pain point in terms of your question is that um, I'm frustrated at times with what I see. And then to step into that, it also challenges those parts of me that want to stay small. But also that's been the growth point. And I think that's for us all. We have to be willing to get that our fears are universal collective fears. They're not unique to us. We don't need to breastfeed them. We also don't have to try and get to a place where we get rid of our fear. That's why I think one of the biggest things that I get asked is, hey, Kate, how do I get rid of the self-doubt? My straight answer is, I don't know. I haven't. Mm. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I totally relate to what you're saying. I mean, I'm constantly uh, feeling fear, but I allow myself to fear, feel it, but I just go ahead and do it anyway. So it's I'm stepping into the fear and dancing with it rather than trying to get rid of it. Um, so what we always do um, at the end of our show, we always ask our women of inspiration to pick one word that best describes your personal brand. What would be that one word for you, Kate? Personal brand? Yep. Um, honest. Yeah, honest. And the, the other thing we always ask our women of inspiration is to leave um, our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would you like to leave for our listeners today, three golden nuggets? Number one. Trust yourself. Number two, please understand that everyone you're seeing is only showing you a part of themselves. That includes all of the top international bestsellers, the New York Times bestsellers, the top, top, top people that you are aspiring to and want and and, and worship on the pedestal. They also only show you a part of themselves. What that means is number three, that when you actually get number two, you can also get number three, which is you and your messy journey is divinely perfect for yourself. And when you actually choose that and stop resisting it, then your life can open up. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. It's so true. People do only show a portion of who they truly are. I love that. Fantastic. So, Kate, how do our listeners find you? Yeah, social media. Um, I'm pretty vocal on social media. So, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube are the three that um, every day you'll be getting these kinds of nuggets. It's at Kate Marie O'Brien. So Marie is with two E's. And definitely Facebook and I would say YouTube. So YouTube, I put a lot of time into creating videos that are um, that really have us stop in our tracks and challenge us to think. And, um, you know, you described one of the videos at the start, and I think you're referring to maybe the naked in the jungle. So, yes. for example, there's one video where I'm standing in a jungle completely butt naked. And, um, the you know, it's only a one-and-a-half-minute video, which most of my videos are about 90 seconds long. Just it's, um, it's just a really important message, um, and they're all like that with different messages. So I highly recommend you come over to YouTube and subscribe there, at Kate Marie O'Brien. Thank you. I will check that out myself because I haven't had an opportunity to go through all your videos, but definitely I love what you do. Keep doing what you're doing and I'm sure our listeners will absolutely love this interview. So thank you so very much for your time and your energy today. Oh, your pleasure. Thanks so much, Catherine. I really appreciate what you're doing and thanks for your time. Thank you. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.